0: Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, where we help you think clearly so you can navigate confidently through your own personal Lyme journey. Everybody's journey is different and a cookie cutter approach just doesn't work for Lyme disease. I'm your host, McKay Rippey, and this is episode 93, part two, with functional medicine chiropractor, Dr. Tom Bain. And with us in the studio is our certified show producer and the brains behind LimeNinja.com, Aurora.
1: Hi, and we are doing things a little bit differently today.
0: Indeed we are. We've split up this interview into three parts, and there are a couple reasons why we're doing that. The main reason that got us thinking about this was... This interview was 60 minutes long. There was just that much information to go over. It's a great conversation. We just couldn't bear to cut any of it out. So we wanted to bring you all of it, but we didn't want to make you sit through a 60 minute interview. Just crazy. <laughs> and also, we've been getting a little bit of feedback. From you listeners that the episodes can be a little bit too long. If you're trying to squeeze in listening to Lime Ninja on a walk or in a short car ride, then the the sessions tend to go a little bit too long. The episodes go a little bit too long. So people put them off and then they end up not listening because they want to hear it. They don't want to miss it. But you can see the dilemma there. So we want your feedback about this format do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you have suggestions? And to do that, just send us an email to feedback at LymeNinjaRadio.com. That's simply the word feedback, at sign, Ninja radio all one word.com.
1: Episode 93, part one, was a conversation about vitamin K2. This episode is going to be talking about the latest science on probiotics, and part three, We're going to get into Dr. Tom Bain's new probiotic.
0: Okay, Aurora, why don't you remind us about today's guest, Dr. Tom Bain.
1: Okay. Dr. Tom Bain is a chiropractor practicing in the Chicago area. He practices at Pure Balance Health Center and focuses on detoxification and gut health. Tom takes a practical, scientific, and research-based approach to natural health
0: thanks, Aurora. Here is part two of our interview with Dr. Tom Bain and the latest research about probiotics. Okay, probiotics. Now, why what's the current research and why can't you just eat yogurt or that stuff? And that you know it's kind of it's a total setup question here, and I'm not putting down eating real foods and fermented foods because I make my own stuff. I fermented. Yeah. I fermented some uh, uh, some rhubarb stalks the other day. Oh, but that was good. Little, bit, you know what? It's not bad. A little bit of mustard, a little bit of garlic in there, and uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting little pickle. Anyway, so
2: wh- so basically, what what we've been really telling ourselves for the last sixty years is that um, is that we're gonna we're gonna reseed the bowel. We're going to, we're going to eat these lactobacillus and bifidobacteria uh, probiotics in our yogurts or in capsules or whatever it might be. And we're going to reseed the bowel with these good bacteria. And so, um, in the, you know, if, if you took all of the research that's ever been done on probiotics, about 95% of it's been done in the last five years. Right. And so yet all the products that are in the market precede that. They're based on the science that precedes that. and so the the idea that we can put bacteria in back into our digestive tract is just not supported by science, no matter how you look at it. and so the 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 first issues are survivability. Uh, the gastric environment is an incredible barrier to entry. So if any just any old bacteria could sneak past and get in there, most people would would be sick. Uh, with some type of uh, viral or bacterial uh, infection of their gut all the time. And so the the digestive tract is is a very strong barrier to entry. It just doesn't allow any old bacteria to pass through. And there have been countless studies on that. A lot of the studies in the EU were done whether they were trying to figure out whether probiotics should be categorized as a drug or not. And they showed, you know, of the 35 strains they pulled off the shelves, uh, basically none of them were able to survive through the GI environment now there are some little sleight of hand advertising that you'll see every now and then where somebody says well ours survives and here we proved it and they'll use a, a, a gastric model study and what they'll show is that at a pH of three that that their probiotic survived well that's us pH of three is a sick person
0: right the stomach is what right 1, 1. 1.7 well the standard
2: USP model the standard USP model is 1. 1.3 1. for two hours wow, wow. And, uh, and then, uh, 15 minutes of bile salts. So that's the standard USP model of a gastric simulated study. And so a lot of these companies are like, well, you know, we did it. And then you look at the fine print and it, and it was a pH of three or higher. It's like, well, okay, that's not really a simulation of the stomach. Another way they'll do it is that, you know, lactobacillus acidophilus, it loves acid. So it'll survive fine. And in, in, even in a pH of 1.3 or 1.0, even. Uh, but the minute you throw the bile salts in, they they decompose completely on contact, and so 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 there's a lot of sleight of hand advertising where people are our because everybody's going to tell you about survival, everybody's going to say well, our survives our survives, but it, it's it really they don't And standard models you prove over and over that these these strains just don't survive, okay. But but let's put that off to the side for a second. You know let's let's not let, let's say okay fine. Because uh, some smart guy's going to say, "Well, mine's terracottaed, or mine's wrapped in seaweed, or something silly," and that's how I get it past the stomach acid. So, okay, great. Let's put the survivability story off to the side for a second. Um, the the Human Microbiome Project showed that in order to get the stimulatory benefit to your pears, patches in your gall with your probiotic, you need to con- you need to supplement in a higher concentration than what naturally exists. And so, so you've got 100 trillion bacteria in there. So even if you could get it fast and, and you needed and you and, and you could get it in there, um, you'd have to supplement in excess of 100 trillion in order to get any kind of stimulatory benefit. But the last thing is, and this is the thing that no smart guy can answer, and that's the bacteria that are in your gut are anaerobic organisms. That's why it's been so difficult to characterize them up until now. It is because you go to do standard plating procedures in microbiology, and and they're dead exactly. as soon as they hit the oxygen, the bacteria are dead. So, they needed the the metagenomic sequencing to be able to say, oh, this is this particular strain of bacteria. It's dead, but I can see its RNA, and I can uh, I can tell what strain it is. So th- that's that's why we've learned so much is because of the advent of this technology to be able to assess the dead bacteria as they come out. So, um, how the, so the, 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 bacteria in your gut are, are largely anaerobic organisms. And so when you, if, when you're making your probiotic mixture, you're telling me that this product is alive at room temperature or alive while it's refrigerated, but it's alive in an oxygen-rich environment, so it's mutated and become some type of an aerobic organism. How can an aerobic organism live in an anaerobic environment? And so, no one can answer that question. So, so if so, it it, it can't survive. But even if it did, it's not in high enough concentrations. And even if it did, it's an aerobic organism trying to live in an anaerobic environment. And so, I propose, and and and, and obviously. I don't have a lot of my own, uh, uh, my own original thoughts. I I pull a lot of my thinking from many different sources and, and so steal from the best. Exactly. But if you look at like even some of the larger physician related companies, I I don't have a problem saying it's like metagenics. Uh, metagenics is going towards one strain for one symptom. Right. Okay. First of all, that's not probiotic therapy. That's that's drug therapy. Second of all, um, that proves that what we're what they're understanding, what 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 science is understanding about um, probiotics, is that a lot of these lactobacillus strains they're actually more metabolic response modifiers. They're not really probiotics. They're not going in there. They're dead. So lactobacillus um, rhamnosus GG, okay? There's some great data on that strain with chronic urinary tract infections in women, okay? And that's not because you swallowed the capsule and the bacteria went and lived in your vagina. First of all, there's no track from mouth to vagina. Second of all, um, it just doesn't work that way. Now, does it work though? I mean, you can't dispute the research so what's happening? Well, what I think is happening, and, and I'm not going to spend a dime on the research to figure this out, but somebody should. But my theory is you swallow lactobacillus GG, it's dead by the time it gets to your small intestine. It gets in there, but it does trigger some type of immune reaction by the pear's patches, by the gall, whatever it might be. And maybe that causes a pH change of the vaginal tract. I don't know. But it's not that these bacteria went and lived and, and competitively excluded the uh, infection that was causing the, the urinary tract infections. That, that, that's just not true, and it's not supported by science in any way, shape, or form. So, so where the probiotic industry is going is they're going with these single strains for, uh, for, for one symptom. Um, that they're able to prove out that these bacteria are correcting, but the minute that you stop supplementing them, it, it doesn't work anymore. Uh, okay, so you're getting a uh, you're getting a, a transient benefit, um, but you're not correcting the problem. Right. So, right. you know, it's like having we, dead
0: soil and you throw uh, fertilizer on there every time you plant a crop, but once you stop putting the
2: fertilizer on there, nothing grows. Exactly. Exactly. So six years ago from now, the five, six years ago, um, in my practice, I was so frustrated with the different lactobacillus and different and trust me, I've tried them all. Um, and so I was so frustrated with them that my probiotic protocols consisted of uh, Saccharomyces boulardii, which is a transient environmental organism, probiotic yeast, I was using that and I was using, and I was importing probiotic waste products from Japan, concentrated bacterial waste. And that was my probiotic protocol. The probiotic waste was just changing the pH of the environment and getting some, uh, some inconsistent and some mild immune modulation. The boulardi was competitively excluding the yeast. Um, and 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 giving some some benefits with that. And so that was the, to me, that was the best I could find. So I start we started um, I got some research about four and a half close to five years ago. I got some research on the bacillus strains that were being cultured at London University, Royal Holloway, London University with Dr. Simon Cutting. Uh, Dr. Cutting's considered uh, one of the leading spore. Based researchers in the world um, and so he, um, he, he, um, he just, he's been, he'd been working with five strains of bacillus species and he discovered a number of different factors associated with them and their functions things like that and he was responsible for the, the EU studies that said eh, most of these probiotics aren't doing anything anyway uh, there's really no need to make them a, a, a drug. Um, we'll just keep them as a food supplement, but we won't allow you to call them a probiotic because none of them improve the ability to survive through the GI tract. So a lot of the products you see on the shelf here written as probiotics in Europe, or in, not in Europe, I shouldn't say, in England, in the UK, those are labeled as food supplements. Uh, because in or- they follow the World Health Organization's definition that if you can't prove that your probiotic survives, you can't call it a probiotic. So according to the EU none, none or the UK, none of these uh, strains have been able to prove that. We have. With the bacillus strains, we've been able to prove survivability. Um, we did a, a, a gut model study at University of Ghent in Belgium and so there's two universities in the world where they actually do this gas, this gut model study where they actually build a human digestive tract out of live human cells and they build it. And then they observe how it functions digestively and immunologically over a six week period. And so now you would think if, if you, if you owned a probiotic company, you would do a gut model study because you'd want to know what is my probiotic doing? You know, what is my probiotic doing anything different in the transverse colon? than it is in the descending colon. You know, I'd I'd like to know that. I'd like to know what my my bugs are doing when they're in someone's GI tract. We're the only probiotic company that's ever done a a gastric model study. It's not cheap, but it's how you know what your bugs are doing in the GI tract. And so what...
0: What do your bugs do
2: down there? Well, It's interesting. So first of all, they, as part of their life cycle, when they're in an inhospitable environment, they dehydrate themselves, form a really strong outer protein coat, and they form this endospore. And this is essentially their dormant state. So if you find them in uh, the dirt in your backyard, they're almost always going to be in this spore form. Um, And so... They, that's how they're able to survive in an aerobic environment because they themselves are actually obligate anaerobes. They actually get in, and when they get into the GI tract, they're, they're able to use quorum sensing, and within six minutes they come out of their uh, endospore state. They go into their vegetative state. So we're able to prove 100% survivability through the GI tract. Then within six minutes of being in the small intestine, they start to they start to competitively exclude pathogenic organisms. So they fight for space on the intestinal lining with pathogenic yeast and bacteria, but they also, through the quorum sensing and reading the the bacterial environment, they're able to produce upwards of 25 different antibiotics to kill off different bacterial infections that aren't responding to uh, this is a straight up fight for space and competition for food. So, so they have the ability to produce these antibiotics as a way of killing off these uh, opportunistic bacterial infections. And so, so that's totally different than any other probiotic in the market. Um, we are one of the only groups of probiotics or strains of probiotics that have any data showing um, benefits with C. diff. Boulardi, uh, S. Boulardi is the other one that has some decent studies with it. But we actually have a double-blind, placebo-controlled uh, study going on at Rutgers right now with C diff, and from what we're hearing, the preliminary data is pretty phenomenal. So, so you don't that have to go through the, the end fecal end.
0: transplant now, right? You can skip that.
2: Exactly. Well, that's that's <laughs> the whole idea. I mean, who, who's gonna who's gonna raise their hand for the fecal transplant when a when a pill's available?
0: Right, and not you with know, the I, possible side effects too that you've heard about.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, one of the largest fecal transplant clinics in the world is the Tamar Clinic outside of London. And, uh, they're one of our biggest clients. Uh, and their whole thing is, you know, yeah, this stuff really works and, and we'll, we'll hang our hat on that it's going to work for sure for six months, but it's not going to work for everybody forever. And a lot of people, it recurs at about the six month mark. Wow. And uh you know at twenty five thousand dollars for for a treatment, wow. you can't have to be going back every six months yeah. that is treatment yeah. so so it's fascinating and and the thing the thing about it is is that the the when when there's two components to this that really look like it has that these sports have potential as drugs. one is C diff, the other is hepatic encephalopathy. So when we did our, um, our gut model study, we showed a, a 30% reduction in ammonia levels in the GI tract. Mm. And so for you and me, that's not a big deal. But for liver failure patients, that's a huge right. deal. Well,
0: and for people that are sick, it is a huge deal.
2: It is. It is. And so we, um, we did a study uh, with a GI center in northern Ohio, the largest liver failure center in northern Ohio. And we did a double-blind placebo-controlled study with um, one of our strains in a very high dose. And in the patients whose numbers weren't controlled by drugs, um, we were able to show a significant reduction in in the concentration of ammonia without making ammonium. So one of the drugs that that patients take when they have excessive ammonia is lactulose. Lactulose changes ammonia to ammonium which gives them flying diarrhea. And I've actually met people who have said, I'd rather die than take lactulose again. Wow. Uh, because they have like 25, 30 uh, screaming diarrhea stools over the next 48 hours. Um, and and they're just, their body's just raw from it. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, you need it because you're starting to go crazy from pneumonia levels. But it's such a painful and comfortable experience. So... Um, in the study, what was interesting is that 100% of the people in the study were on the faxamines. So the antibiotic that stays in the GI tract. So so we're the first probiotic that's able to demonstrate efficacy in an antibiotic rich environment. So that was one of the outcomes of the study. The other was now we're just going to study people whose levels are not controlled by meds and are getting out of control and seeing what kind of of changes we can have with them. So, um, so it's interesting. So, from from that standpoint, the only, there's, there's the only other companies that are, that have uh, a play in the C. diff and, uh, and hepatic encephalopathy markets are the fecal transplant people. Right. And so, so it's, it's interesting. And, and if we can show, uh, you know, as good or better efficacy than they can, then, then I think we take the lion's share of that market. Um. So, so those are those are some of the things that we're doing on. We are. This is the interesting thing about us. We're a group of researchers, and we were, we were studying the supplements and and doing legitimate research in the supplement market. And then when we started finding things, we're like, well we could go sell this to somebody or we could just start our own company and do this ourselves. And when the initial data came back from the gut model study, um, in, um, uh, what was that? So it was like five years ago when that information came out, the manufacturer said, all right, we want you guys to go out and sell this to one of the big, um, supplement makers. And, uh, and I was like, no, no, this is for us. So you're going to give this to a company that is already selling a lack bifido product. They're not going to stop selling that. So we need to continue with the research and we need to exclusively distribute this product. Um, we need to go straight after physicians and uh, and we need to educate them and they'll build our business. And that, that's what's happened over the last four years. We're the fastest growing probiotic in the physician's market. And the reason is, is because if you listen, if you, if you open your mind and listen to what we have to say, allow us to present our science, you won't use another product because nobody's got the science that we have. Right now we've got a double-blind placebo-controlled study going on in Southern California with IPS. Uh, we're going into phase two with the hepatic encephalopathy study. We've got the study at, at, um, Rutgers with C. diff. And we just finished, but we don't have the data crunched yet. They're unblinding it and everything like that. So in the next three to four weeks, we'll have the first human leaky gut study. And so so we worked with um, the University of North Texas. We worked with them for two years to create a clinical model for a leaky gut, a model where we could measure and see that the patient has a leaky gut, give them a stress meal that'll really blow out the gut measure LPS and other endotoxins over a 5 hour period we show a huge spike at about the 5 hour mark postprandial right postprandial of the stress meal and um, and so these circulating levels of LPS uh, basically the only way they can get there is because of blown holes in the gut so in our pilot study, which was only done on eight patients, so I take it with a grain of salt, but in, in the uh, pilot study, what we did is we had them come in. Had the, these are college students at the University of North Texas. They came in. We measured them. They showed signs of leaky gut. We gave them the stress meal. We measured them over a five-hour period. We got very consistent spikes at the at the five-hour mark where the LPS levels were, Five to six times normal levels, and so we then sent them home with no dietary changes, no lifestyle changes. These are college kids, <laughs> and we gave them we gave them a thirty day supply of of MegaSpor, and they they took it for thirty days. They came back in, they ate the test meal. We we uh, measured them again over a five hour period. We showed a thousand fold blunting of the of the LPS levels. Okay. We basically sealed up the leaky gut in thirty days. Now, that data just from... Yeah,
0: that's amazing because traditionally that's something you talk about you have to heal over months or years
2: even. Or years, yeah. Yeah, and we shut it down in 30 days. But so here's the interesting thing. That pilot data, um, you know, we pushed it around to some people we knew and let some people look at it. So the National Institute of Health is actually looking to do a $8 million study with our product on HIV and AIDS and really? So there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of money that's gone into HIV and AIDS research over the last few years, which is interesting because in, I don't have a lot of HIV and AIDS patients in my practice these days. Uh, back in the early nineties, I did, I did see more than, um, but with the advent of, of the, of the drug cocktails, right. you know, you're seeing them, them, Living longer and 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 controlling this, yeah. but here's what what's been discovered. Enteropathy, which is the medical term for leaky gut, they don't like that. Doctors don't like the term leaky gut, so they call it enteropathy. It's the exact same thing. It's the translocation of of bacterial endotoxins into the bloodstream, and the and the translocation of bacteria into the bloodstream. So so it's it is a leaky gut, but but I'm okay. If they want to call it enteropathy. That's fine. So the research on HIV and AIDS in over the last five years has shown that enteropathy is a better indicator of morbidity than viral load. Huh. And that, and that the, that where they're having patients with low viral loads but huge enteropathy scores right. that are having poor quality of life and dying younger from secondary effects than they are from the HIV and that, that, that that's a better indicator. So then they're like, okay, now we know what this stuff is, what fixes enteropathy. So they're going to study our product. They're going to do, they're going to do the work for us. Um, They're going to study it with HIV and AIDS patients. They're going to start doing it in the greater New York city area, but then they're going to expand it over sub-Saharan Africa. And because ours doesn't, our probiotic doesn't have to be refrigerated and, anything like that. So, so the ability to study this in thousands of patients in sub-Saharan Africa, uh, is, is available. And, uh, you know, a product's 50 bucks. Right. Uh, the other thing, the other things, is,
0: of, right. Thousands.
2: Well, they've been studying a, a product that it's basically a, a souped up VSL three, um, with a cost of $3,000 a month. And it's gotta be refrigerated. Right. So makes no sense. Um, plus, they have none of the preliminary data that we have. They have none of the competitive exclusion data. They have none none of that information. Uh, they don't have the uh, the LPS study that we have, uh, the pilot study, and things like that. And now the the study is done. We did fifty, uh, well, hundred patients, double blind, placebo controlled. So so fifty patients will have been on on the, the product. And um, that should be done in the next couple of weeks. I mean, if it, if it even comes close to what the pilot study did, the whole world's gonna know our name. I mean, overnight, we're gonna be everywhere because everybody knows what leaky gut is, uh, but nobody knows what to do about it. and And nobody, no one has done any human research with it yet. Right. And so, so it's fascinating.
1: This conversation reminded me of an article I read recently, which talks about how a certain strain of gut bacteria eats a brain chemical, which is called GABA, and it's the only one that it eats, and GABA is responsible for helping calm the brain down, so it's just more proof that gut health has a really direct but also really complicated relationship with mental health and your mood.
0: Absolutely, and this is the study out of Northeastern University, and this bacteria is fascinating because its only food is GABA, and that's G A B A, GABA, the brain chemical, and you can take gabless GABA supplements, and, you know, I'm wondering if your gut biome is imbalanced where there's either too much of this chemical of uh, sorry bacteria in there. So if there's too much bacteria, that means it's eating too much of the GABA in your brain, so you don't have enough. Or if there's not enough of this bacteria, and then you have too much GABA. So we know if you don't have enough GABA, you can have anxiety... And uh, depression and things like and that. And
1: depression, yeah. Yeah,
0: because your nervous system is, is on overload and it literally doesn't have the chemical, one of the chemicals that calms it down. But you can also have too much GABA. So that means you don't have enough of this bacteria in you, maybe, or you're taking too much of a supplement. And that also has sort of the same sort of side effects. You can have anxiety, dizziness, drowsiness, dry mouth, balance problems, blurred vision, itchiness. Irritation, stomach pains, memory problems. And then if it's a severe overdose, you can have some major symptoms, including bleeding, severe muscle pain, high fevers, real tenderness in the muscles, fibromyalgia type of thing, a lack of energy, and your hands and feet can swell up. So those are some of the major side effects. So you can see where if your gut is in balance, you don't have the right mix of bacteria in there or too much or too little of something. It can cause major brain changes just by the bacteria that's down there.
1: Yeah, and and it just emphasizes why having good bacteria – is, and having it in your diet, eating fermented products is so important. And even if it doesn't, and I'm quoting Dr. Bain here, even if it doesn't reseed your small intestine, it's still a really easy way to keep your mood stable. Um, which is why, you know, I have to recommend our interview with the fermentation lady, with, uh, with Karen.
0: Yes, that's episode 66. That's Karen Diggs. And she's the inventor of Crowdsource, and that's this great little gadget that makes it super easy to make your own sauerkraut or ferment anything. And matter of fact, I've got to go test my latest fermentation project. I fermented some burdock root,
1: and I saw that on I saw that on Facebook. Did you
0: see the pictures with I the posted? flowers, right? Yeah, with the yeah. Child flowers. I haven't been brave enough to taste it yet. <laughs> But was,
1: yeah you're gonna have to post something and tell us how that is
0: yeah with a, a picture of me eating that and my face the, <laughs> and what was interesting with the conversation with Dr. Bain he talked about really the drinking the juice and how much nutrition is in the juice as well so I've been my previous project was uh, was some rhubarb ferment and I've been taking a shot of that. Uh, every day as well, along with my one stalk of rhubarb there. So I, I've, I've really changed my mindset about that fermenting fermented foods, reseeding my gut. So I'm I'm am trying out Doctor Bain's probiotic all myself, and to see how I like that. And so far it's gone it's gone pretty well. But I'm taking the I'm still staying with the fermented products to help with nutrition and the nutrition that the lactobacilli type bacteria create and, and leave in the juice. So if you've got your own fermentations up there, make sure you're drinking the juice as well. That may be more important than the actual substance there as well. And you know, this brings us back to there's so many different ways to take care of your gut health and your brain and to nourish your brain and to help keep a clear mental focus and clear brain fog and my absolute favorite is what I teach and that's brain fog breathing you know you don't have to eat anything you don't have to ferment anything and you can do it anywhere, and it takes just a few minutes. You can do it in your car. You can do it while you're brushing your teeth. It's really – it's it's a simple thing to do. Well, maybe – you know what? I don't think you can do it brushing your teeth because you kind of need to breathe and brush your teeth and <laughs> breathing. So strike that. That was I was I was ad-libbing there and uh, made a horrible, horrible mistake. Don't do this while <laughs> people you're breathing. Can,
1: people can multitask, but yeah, they can't multitask right. quite that well. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Brainwave breathing and gargling at the same time, yeah. Not, not a good idea. <laughs> anyway, the point is, the point I was trying to make is you can do this in a few minutes almost almost anywhere.
1: You know, my dad's patients use this all the time, and you can too. Just go to LimeNinja.com front slash brain fog. You can sign up and get the cheat sheet.
0: Oh, that's right. That's LimeNinja.com front slash Brain Fog. And if you like this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. It helps get the word out. We really appreciate it. And please also leave us feedback about this shorter format. What do you think about it? Do you want us to go back to the long form? Do you like the shorter form? Let us know. And to do that, leave us feedback at feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. So the email address is the word feedback. At sign Lime Ninja Radio, all one word dot com. So, part one, we got into K2 with Dr. Bain, and the current episode, part two was about their current research into probiotics and really what's going on there with most probiotics. And the next episode, to wrap this all up, put in a nice tiny little bow, big bow, I should say, is really Dr. Bain's research led him to create his own probiotic and why he thinks that's a really great thing out there. And I, like I said, I'm testing out myself, and so far I've been pleased with the results. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that on the next episode. This is McKay and Aurora signing off from Lime Ninja Radio.